I don't know if you ever felt this way before, but God is not the, the easiest person to please. It, it seems like at times it's hard to understand what God really wants from us. I mean, I understand that we have all these commands, all these instructions, like 66 different books in the Bible to help us understand what God really wants from us, but maybe it's because there's so much uh, that we need to go through. Maybe it's because at times it seems like what God wants is it's not as clear. For whatever reason it is, there are times when we wonder if we're actually doing the right thing. There are times when we wonder, you know, God, am I really doing a good job with my life? Am I being faithful to you? When you see me, are you happy? I think that's a real question that a lot of us ask. And I think we wrestle with this question and respond to this question in different ways. Some people, because they're uncertain about God's heart towards them, they would do more stuff. They would work harder. Uh, They would try to be more involved with different activities, do more stuff when it comes to spiritual disciplines. Uh, Just they want to make sure that they cover all the grounds. Like they want to make sure that they're doing enough so that God will be pleased with them. And so people who work hard in response to this question. And then you have some people who go the opposite direction. They just walk away. Uh, And their logic is this. Well, if I can never figure out what God wants for my life, I'm not going to even try Right? Uh, like, I mean, there's no way that I can fully understand the will of God. It is impossible to please God because, like, he's the perfect being. Like, how can you please the perfect being when you are imperfect? And so you kind of make this logical conclusion. Because I'm imperfect, he requires me to be perfect. Uh, I can't do that. And so, like, I give up. I walk away. Uh, I would rather just please myself than God. Some people work harder. Some people walk away. And then some people are kind of caught in the middle. You're not bold enough to walk away from God, but you're not driven enough to really enjoy God. You're apathetic. You don't feel a lot of, a lot. You know, you do a lot, but you don't really feel joy, pleasure, satisfaction when you're doing things for God. Like, when people see you, they might think you're a legit Christian. Like, they might look at your life and, and think that you're faithful, but you know deep down inside that you're struggling because, because you're just doing this out of habit, because you're, you're just doing this um, not with a good heart, not with a heart that's driven, but a heart that is just apathetic. So the question I think you know, today's passage it's addressing is, is this. What pleases the heart of God? Like, how do you please Jesus? That's the question that I feel like today's passage is answering for us. Um, it's a very familiar passage. We see two uh, individuals. These are sisters, uh, but just like any sibling dynamic, they're different in every possible way. Like, I feel like one is type A, one is type B. Like, they have different personalities. Uh, and the way that they respond to Jesus is different. So it shows how different they are. But through this passage, through the dynamic of these two sisters and how they interact with Jesus, I think Jesus is revealing to us what really he cares about, what's on his heart, what does he delight in. So that's the question that we're going to answer. What does Jesus want from us? Look at verse 38. This is a setting of the story. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. 
And so if you are familiar with this name, Martha, and then Mary, it shows up in John 11 in different places. Um, you know that this is a family that's close to Jesus. Now, we don't know at what point they're interacting with Jesus at this, at this moment. A lot of people suspect that this, this is early on, like maybe it's the first time they actually met Jesus, but the village that is being spoken of today is probably Bethany, which is where Martha and Mary lived at that time. But the important part is that Martha, she's the one who welcomes Jesus. It's not that Jesus asked Martha, hey, can I go to your house today? Can I rest at your house? No, it says that it is, it is Martha who welcomes Jesus. Jesus enters into the village, but Martha welcomes Jesus into her house. And that's a big deal for a couple reasons. Number one, when Jesus is traveling, he's not just traveling alone. It says in verse 38, they went out on their way and Jesus entered into the village. In other words, Jesus is not alone. At least he has 12 other grown men who have a big appetite. These are teenagers, maybe in their early 20s. I don't know if you ever host a group of teenagers, 12 boys that are hungry, like that, that are starving. Like these, these individuals, they've been traveling. They haven't had much to eat. Jesus himself is hungry. And so this is a big task. Like if I saw a group of 13 grown men hungry, starving, like maybe like I would, I would give them a snack, but to invite them to my place, to prepare a full-on meal for them, that's a lot. But Martha is willing to do this. And that shows a lot about her heart. This was not planned. There's a lot of food that needs to be prepared at this moment. Uh, a lot of dishes that you have to do afterwards. It's not like they had dishwashers um, or plastic plates. But Martha is willing to take on the challenge. Out of all the people, she's the one who's willing to host Jesus and the crew. And this is a big deal also because Jesus, he wasn't welcomed everywhere. He was a very controversial figure. He was popular. Some people really liked him. Some people didn't like him at all. And so it wasn't that he was welcomed everywhere. That's why when he sends out his disciples, he also says, hey, some people are going to welcome you. Some people might reject you. Just remember, when they reject you, they rejected me first. Like, I've been rejected too. In the previous chapter, it says the Samaritans rejected Jesus. So so it's not that everyone welcomes Jesus, but Martha is willing to welcome Jesus. It shows her heart, her love for Jesus, her devotion to Jesus. She believed in Jesus. It was her joy, her privilege, her honor to host Jesus at her home. She's starting off with a good heart so that she can provide something that Jesus really needs, a hot meal, fellowship, rest, and so Martha loves Jesus, and, and she's serving with a heart of hospitality. But at the same time, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And so she gets into the zone. She, she, she pull, pull, pulls up her sleeves. She gets comfortable, and she's, she's going at it. She's preparing all these stuff. Like, you know, she's in the zone uh, preparing and, 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 and cleaning. But at the same time, she sees her sister, who's also in the zone but a different zone. It says in verse 39, and she had a sister called Mary, most likely a younger sister, because every time Martha and Mary is mentioned, Martha's name is always mentioned first, so Martha is most likely the older sibling. But she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Now, that might not click for some of you who are the younger sibling, but if you are the older sibling, that's, like, that's exactly why. I hate my younger brother or sister, right? 
mom and dad tells me because I'm the older sibling to do all this. Like I have to be the one who's helping my parents all the time. And what does my younger sibling do? They're just having the time of their life playing games, like watching TV, sitting around, doing nothing. And that's exactly what Martha is feeling at this moment. Like, like Martha sees Mary, and Mary is, is just chilling. Like, she's not in the kitchen. She's at the feet of Jesus, interacting with Jesus. And, and so uh, what we see here is Martha is busy serving and working. Mary, she's just doing her own thing. They're in a different zone. And so Martha has an issue with this. It says in verse 40 that she really tries to put, put uh, her younger sibling Mary in, into her place. It says in verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. She was overwhelmed with the serving. And she went up to him, Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Tell her then to help me. So I can just imagine Martha peeking out of the kitchen, seeing, seeing the living room, the scene where Mary, she's just chilling. She's just having the time of her life. And, and at this moment, she just snaps. That's what's happening. She is forcefully going up to Jesus. It says that she went up to Jesus, right? It's not that she, she was called by Jesus. She went up to Jesus on her own. She interrupts Jesus' teaching, and she says, Wait a moment, like, is, is, is there something wrong with this picture? Am I the only person who's noticing something off about, about this whole scene? That's what she's saying. Like, Jesus, you have to tell my sister to come to help me. Like, I can't do this by myself. I think that's what she, she's saying. And so it seems like a fair request, right? The older sibling trying to put the younger sibling in her place. Like, hey, come to the back of the kitchen and, and, and try to teach her how you should show hospitality and when you have guests in the house. But it says in verse 41, this is the response that Jesus gives. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. In other words, Mary's right. She's doing the right thing. And the question is why? Like, why does Jesus gently rebuke Martha and actually say that Mary is doing the right thing when it seems like Martha is the one who's working so hard to please Jesus? Now, I want you to see three things in today's passage, okay? The first one is this. Martha's distraction. Notice Martha, she is distracted. Now, it feels like almost that Jesus is condoning laziness, that he's saying that it's okay to be irresponsible, but I don't think that's what Jesus is saying at this point. Um, I don't think also she's just confronting Jesus because she, uh, confronting Martha because she, he doesn't like Martha. It's very clear in God's word that Jesus loves Martha. It actually says in John eleven five specifically it says Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Notice that the name Mary is not even mentioned there. Like, Jesus loves Martha, like, cares about Martha. And so by repeating her name, Martha, Martha, I think that's not just something that he's doing out of frustration. I think, really, he's trying to, trying to show his affection, his care towards Martha by calling her by her personal name. Uh, and it's important to also know that, again, Martha loves Jesus. Her intentions are pure. 
Like she started off with, with wanting to bless Jesus, wanting to meet his needs, wanting to serve Jesus in every possible way. It's not that she wanted recognition. It's not that she wanted to hand out a five-course meal and ask people what they think about her food. No, she was driven because she loved Jesus. I mean, isn't this what Jesus said in the story of the Good Samaritan? Hey, if you see a person in need, practically meet their needs. And it almost seems like Martha is doing that. Like, she sees Jesus traveling and sees a need there because Jesus doesn't have a place to stay, food to eat. And so it seems like Martha is living out the parable of the good Samaritan. But what Luke tells us is this in verse 40. But Martha, she wasn't just busy. She was distracted with much serving. So Martha is a picture of a distracted disciple, a picture of a distracted disciple. Disciple. The word distracted means that she's being pulled left and right. Like her mind is all over the place. And, 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 and this is not a statement about her work. Uh, it's not that she's scrambling all over the place physically. I think this is a statement about her spiritual state. Like she is spiritually distracted. Physically, mentally, she's zoned in because she's serving. Like she's getting things done. But spiritually, she is distracted. I think that's important to notice. This was Martha's problem, and a lot of times this is our problem when it comes to serving Jesus. When we are so busy doing things for Jesus, often we lose sight of the person of Jesus, and that was Martha's problem. No, it's not that all the hard work, her hospitality was bad, but all those things were causing her to be distracted, uh, and, and she was missing out on actually spending time with Jesus. So notice that, yes, you can be distracted by the pleasures and all that this world has to offer, but the Bible tells us today that you can also be distracted by serving Jesus, by doing work for Jesus. You can be distracted from the Lord by doing work for the Lord. That's a scary thought. That means even people within the church who are in position to serve, you can easily be distracted and, 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 and lose what's the most important thing. Like Martha, she is spiritually distracted, lost sight of Jesus, and what you see in verse 40 is this. And so she, she went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Now all of a sudden, the work that she voluntarily did, like she, no one told her to do this, she volunteered to host Jesus. All of a sudden, her serving becomes sour. Like, the work that she enjoyed becomes a burden. And notice that her, the burden turns into bitterness. Why do I say that? Well, clearly, Martha is upset. Like, Mary is at the feet of Jesus. Martha is in the face of Jesus. Like, she's right there, and she's not happy. She's upset. She's there to confront. First, she's there to confront her sister, Mary. Notice that it's not the workload that's a problem at this point. Like, Martha was happily like, preparing this meal until she saw Mary. And in her language, it says, Lord, like my sister hath left me to serve alone. I, I'm, I'm okay with serving, but I'm not okay with serving alone. Like the problem is that I'm doing all these things, but my sister is not doing anything. Like, do you notice the bitterness that's, that, that, that in, Mary, in Martha's heart? Like, she doesn't like the fact that her sister is, is not helping her. And 
Sadly, a lot of times, this is, this is what happens when we're so distracted and busy by doing the work of God. When we are distracted from Jesus and we're so focused on the work of Jesus, you know what happens? No longer do you think about why you started that work, you begin to see what other people are doing. Like you compare yourself with what others are doing. Like you, you, you started off gladly doing this work because of Jesus, but all of a sudden, you're comparing yourself, the amount of work that you do. Like notice Martha started off by caring for people, now he, she is calling out people. That's a big change, and this is all being done because of spiritual distraction, because she is distracted by many things. That's, that's Martha's problem. Uh, she has a problem with Mary, because it seems like she's just, her sister is not doing enough. She's, she's, she's not serving enough. And this exists within our earthly family, but also this, this problem exists within our church family. Right? When we look at a brother and sister, and in the beginning, we enjoyed serving one another. But at some point, when the work gets too hard, when there's a lot to do, and when it feels like other people are not doing their job, all of a sudden, instead of encouraging your brother and sister, serving your brother and sister in Christ, you begin to call out your brother and sister in Christ. Like, why don't you do something? Like, I'm doing all the work. But the second thing is this. Notice that her problem is not just with Mary. Her problem is actually with Jesus. She has a problem with Jesus. Like, Jesus, do you not care? That's her language. It's not about just Mary, but like, Jesus, do you not care? Like, she is questioning the goodness of Jesus, his very heart. Like, Jesus, are you just letting this slip? Like, do you not care? Do you not see that I'm sweating, I'm hot, like, I'm, I'm a mess because I'm trying to serve you? Do you not recognize what I'm doing for you, Jesus? Like, like it seems like you're just, you're just not seeing this. Like, and how often do you feel this way when you're doing a lot of things for the Lord? Like, you're serving the Lord, you're volunteering for every, every possible opportunity that you have, and yet it seems like you're not getting the recognition that you deserve. People are not noticing what you do, and because people are not noticing what you do, it seems like the Lord is not noticing what you do, and in return, what happens is you're now questioning the goodness of God. Like, you're questioning the heart of Jesus. Like, Jesus, like, maybe you're just, you just save me so that you can put me to work. Like, do you not notice like what, what others are doing at this moment and what I'm doing. Like notice that, that the irony is that she is calling Jesus Lord, but she's telling Jesus what to do. That's, that's the irony in this statement, right? She's saying, Lord, but you, you got to tell Mary to help me out. That's a command that Martha is giving to her Lord. And how often do we call Jesus our Lord, but try to boss him around and give a command and tell him what to do instead of asking, what should I do at this moment? So with spiritual distraction, it makes us question the heart of Jesus. It makes us bitter. It makes us bossy. It makes us ungrateful for all the things that God has done. Um, and it causes anxiety and worries. It says in verse 41, Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled with many things. You are worried and upset, it says in NIV translation. You're worried, you're upset, you're anxious, you're troubled. You have all these things going on in your heart. Why? Because there's so many things on your plate. Like, you're doing so much. And, and, and you started off with a joyful heart, but now your heart is full of worry, burden, like trouble. Like, you hate it. And I'm sure if she just continues, like, she's going to drop everything and just leave the church. So you see Martha, a disciple, but a distracted disciple. 
Now, the second picture I want you to see is this. Mary, her devotion, Mary's devotion. We saw Mary, Martha's distraction, but now we're going to see Mary's devotion. If Martha was a picture of a distracted disciple, Mary is a picture of a devoted disciple. It says that, that while Martha was busy serving, doing much for Jesus, Mary was busy sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his teaching. Now, that might not seem like a big deal, but uh, it's important to notice that, that Mary, she's not just chilling and, and, and resting, but she is actively listening to the teaching of Jesus. That's the posture and the place of discipleship. She, she is sitting at the feet of Jesus so the word of Jesus can penetrate her heart and that she can live out the words of Jesus. Now, it's interesting. There's only a couple places where you see Mary. And every time you see Mary, you know where she's at? She's at the feet of Jesus. It says in John 11, verse 22, when, when Lazarus died, brother died, it says, Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Because you could have done something about it, but notice that Mary is doing all this at the feet of Jesus. In John 12, 3, Mary is the one who anoints Jesus with this expensive perfume. And it says, Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped her feet with her hair, his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Those, those are the only accounts that we have about Mary. Like, every time you see her, she is a disciple that is devoted to Jesus. How do you know that? She's always at the feet of Jesus. Now, it says that the Jewish custom was that that was the posture of disciples. That they would want to listen to their rabbi. That's, that's how, how, that, that's how get, they get trained, at the feet of the rabbi. And so what you see is, is Mary, in the moment of overwhelming grief, when she just lost her brother, she's at the feet of Jesus. Why? Because she wants to listen to what Jesus has to say. At the moment of overwhelming gratitude because she is overwhelmed by the love of Jesus, she's at the feet of Jesus, anointing the feet of Jesus. Like that's the posture of discipleship. At the feet of Jesus is where we ought to be. I think that's what the Bible is telling us today. She's sitting there so that she can listen and understand and live out the word of God. And this is actually quite scandalous, especially in the first century culture of the Jewish culture. Why? Because number one, women were not allowed to be disciples. Like it would only be the men, the grown men, who would sit under a rabbi and be trained to do all these different things. Just, just breaks the law, breaks the tradition, and invites women to sit at his feet. I think Luke is very intentional about that. Even before talking about all, all the women that, that, that followed Jesus, like she used, Luke uses the word disciple when he's describing all these women. But it, it, it's it's... It's another step. You know, you have to take it another step because it's not just that Mary, she's willing to sit at the feet of Jesus to be a disciple, but Jesus is not saying anything about this. But Jesus is welcoming Mary as the disciple. So devotion to Jesus is displayed when we are sitting at the feet of Jesus and allowing the word of Jesus to transform our hearts and our lives. In Luke 11, 27, 28, it says this, a very short story. As he said these things, as Jesus said these things, there was a woman in the crowd, raised her voice and said to Jesus, Blessed is the womb that bore you 
and the breasts at which you nursed. In other words, man, your mom, like, bless her. Bless her soul. Like, Jesus, you're such a great person. I just want to bless your mom. And this is what Jesus says. But he said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. You remember the theme in the Gospel of Luke so far has been disciples listen. The parable of the soil, the transfiguration that took place. What was the word of the Father? Hey, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Like there's this constant theme of disciples being at the feet of Jesus. So, so this was scandalous. It, like Mary, she didn't deserve to be in this place. And yet Jesus says, no, Mary, you're welcome in my presence. That, that's, that's awesome. Um, that's the heart of Jesus. And third thing that we see is really Jesus' invitation. Jesus' invitation. Uh, it says in verse 41 and 42, But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So Jesus, his invitation is this. In the midst of all the things that you need to do, Martha, in the midst of the many things that you, you're doing, like you're so distracted by these things, but choose the one thing that is necessary. So you have many things that, that could be important, but there's one thing that is necessary. Choose that one thing. Choose the good portion like Mary. That's what Jesus is saying to, to Martha. Like, and it's quite ironic because Martha she is furious because she thinks that Mary is the one that's distracted at this point. Mary is the one that's not doing what she's supposed to do. But Jesus in return says that, no, Martha, you're the one who's distracted right now, and you're the one who's not doing what you're supposed to do. Why? Because you're missing out on the one thing. What is that one thing? It's Jesus. Jesus is that one thing. Like, you could just imagine Martha asking a question, like, at this point. Like, Jesus, like, what do you want? Like, I thought you were hungry. I thought you needed a place to stay. I thought you wanted a meal. I mean, you always kind of go into people's houses. Isn't it because you're hungry all the time? Like, and, and, and I think what Jesus is saying at this moment is this, no, 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 you don't get it. Like, even if you brought out a sandwich or just a couple crackers, that's okay. I'm not here for the food. I'm here for people. I'm here because I want to have fellowship with you, not just to stuff myself with food. I think that's what he's trying to say, especially when he uses the language of good portion. It says, Mary has chosen the good portion. Martha, you're creating all these portions, these food that, that are being served, but Mary has chosen the good portion. Notice that, that before you can feed me, I want to feed you. I think that's what he's saying. So, the main idea of today's passage is this. Jesus is the ultimate priority when it comes to Christian discipleship. Jesus is the ultimate priority when it comes to Christian discipleship. Being a disciple is not about doing all these different things. It's about being with Jesus. It's being at the feet of Jesus. Jesus, he is the ultimate priority. Like we can be so busy doing stuff for Jesus and miss out on the presence of Jesus. Notice that a couple of things. This passage reveals that Jesus wants us to be present more than our performance. Jesus wants our presence more than our performance. Like, he loves to be with people. 
And he's like, I love that you serve in all these different ways, like, in church. But, like, if you are always concerned about what you need to do, even at this moment. I know in first service, a lot of people are here because they're serving right after. If you're still, as you are listening to the sermon, you're thinking about, oh, man, did I make sure that, like, I have the right curriculum? Do I have the right snacks for my kids? Like, and what do I need to do after this? Like, hey, man, I hope Pastor James doesn't go long today because I need to get to where I need to serve. Like, I have things to do, prayers to pray, stuff to get ready for. And Jesus is saying, hey, like, don't miss out on the one thing. Like, we can be so busy thinking about performance that we miss out on the presence of Jesus. Number two is this. Just wants our worship rather than our work. Now, our work flows out of our worship, but it has to be that order. That has to be worship that comes first. I think if I want to summarize these two individuals, Martha and Mary, and what's going on, I can summarize it like this. To Martha, Jesus was a good guest, an important guest. To Mary, Jesus was Lord. Martha, she is, she's serving Jesus, doing a lot of good things for Jesus, but notice that at the end of the day, she's in control. This is her house. She's the one who invited Jesus. She's the one who's making this meal. She's the one who's upset because Jesus is not doing what he's supposed to do which is sending Mary to the kitchen. Like, she, do you notice that everything like, about her world is like perfect? Like, she's thinking, the only problem that I have is Mary. That's my only problem. Like, I'm not the problem. Like, nothing is wrong with me. I have everything down to the T. Like, I know how to host people. I know how to feed people. But the thing is, Martha is treating Jesus like a guest, which is okay. But what Jesus wants is he doesn't want to be treated as a important guest in your life. He wants to be treated as Lord. Like, and the difference is this. Mary, Martha is doing what seems to be good to Jesus. Mary is doing exactly what Jesus wants her to do. That's the thing. Like Mary, she is listening so that based on what she hears, she can live out the word of Jesus. That's the position of disciple. Like some of you have been coming to church, like been part of church for a long time, and you treat Jesus pretty well. Speak highly of Jesus, love Jesus, but the problem is that you're still at the center of your life, that you're acting as if Jesus is simply an important guest in your life, an important part, someone that you need to take care of rather than someone that you need to obey and submit to. And Jesus is telling us the difference between a true disciple and a distracted disciple is this. A distracted disciple treats Jesus as a guest. A true disciple treats Jesus as a Lord. And that's what worship is all about, right? Worship is placing worth in Jesus, like making Jesus a priority. It's not just singing. Like we were saying, is he worthy? Is he worthy? What does that mean? Is he worthy of all this? Is he really worth it of all my life, all my attention, all my devotion? Is God really worthy of my love, my mind, strength, soul? Is he worthy? Like, absolutely. Why? Because he's not just an important guest. He is our Lord. And the last thing is that Jesus, he wants, us to, he wants to feed us before we can feed others. That's so important. If you are spending so much time serving and not spending enough time listening and hearing, like, then there's going to be a problem. You will start off okay in the beginning, but over time, you will become bitter. You will get burned out. 
You will start comparing yourself with other people. You feel like other people are not doing enough. You lose sight of what, why you were serving in the first place. And then you come to the place where you're like bossing around. Like you're, you're being bossy even to Jesus and telling Jesus what to do in your life. So Jesus, he is the ultimate goal for discipleship. Now, I do want to highlight just one last thing. Notice that this discipleship, the devotion that we show to Jesus, it doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't happen accidentally. It, it's something that you need to choose. Jesus says to, to Martha, choose the good portion. Like, intentionally choose the good portion. You have to fight for this. You have to make a decision to choose Jesus over all things. And I love what Jesus says. There are many things, Martha, that you need to do, but there's one thing that is necessary. There are a lot of things that you can create and feast on, but there's the good portion, the ultimate portion, what you really need for your soul, and that is me. And this is exactly echoing the words of King David in Psalm 27, 4, when he says, One thing I ask of the Lord, and then I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Despite all that he had, all that he had accomplished, David, King David says, There's one thing that I desire, and that one thing is God. And that's why he was able to remain faithful to, 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 to God to the end. Now, there's many things that we need to worry about in our lives. Our family, our career, our financial situation, our achievements, our house, the buildings that we have, our spouse, our children, all these different things we should care about. Like, those are important things in our lives. But if we are so distracted by all those different things that we fail to spend time with the Lord and sit at his feet, that we have no clue what he's wanting to to say to us on a day-to-day basis, then you are not focusing on the one thing, the one thing that's going to matter at the end. And I think that's important to know. Jesus says this one thing, if you invest in it, it will not be taken away from you. All the things that you are investing in in this world, they might be helpful in your life right now, but they ain't going to last. But the reason why it's important for us to invest in the one thing who is Jesus Christ is because he will last forever. Uh, a lot of people say that one of the worst investments that you can make is actually buying an expensive car. Why? Because the value of a car drops daily, yearly. You're investing in something that's going to go to waste pretty soon. Same people, I think the same reason why in the NFL right now, um, running backs are not appreciated. They are underpaid. Wide receivers are receiving like $20 million a year. Running backs like hardly making $5 million. They're banging. They're like throwing their bodies out. You know why they're not paying running backs? They say that it's because they don't last. Running backs, like they get injured so easily, they don't last. So why make such a big investment? Like that's, that's economics 101. You invest in something that lasts. If Jesus is going to last forever, shouldn't you invest in him? rather than all the things that are going to fade away, according to First John 2. And that's why it says in Psalm 73, 25, 26, Whom have I in heaven but you, God? There is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and even my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and the, my portion forever. He's the one I feast on. He's the one who gives me strength. Men shall not just live on bread alone, but every word that comes from God. So we just had the one retreat. We want to be a church that's all about, you know, being one in Christ. 
But if we want to be one, we have to focus on the one thing. It's not just doing more stuff for the Lord. It's about focusing on that one thing, spending time, being a disciple of Jesus. So don't miss out on this. Like, change your schedule. Like, drop some things, not because, like, you're incapable, because you want to focus on the one thing that matters the most. Like, make sure that you're checking your heart before you serve. Make sure that you are spending more time in God's word than spending time serving the, the Lord. And make sure that you're not staying on the, the, the driver's seat, that you're not staying in control and treating Jesus as a guest in your life. But make sure that you give that seat to Jesus and submit to him as your Lord and your Savior. Amen? Let's pray.